And speaking of journeys, uh, his earthly journey has ended, but uh, we also celebrate Paul Cain's life. He went to be with the Lord a few weeks ago. There was a graveside last Friday, and last night at the healing rooms was a, an amazing gathering just to celebrate him and who he was. And if you don't know who he was, I'm going to put up the next slide, because he, Paul was really the last of the latter-day reign, which was a whole time-span movement of God, represented a, a place in history with these two other guys, Paul, John Paul Jackson, Bob Jones, and there would be others on that list. But Paul was really the last of that generation of prophets. What's interesting is the year they died, but you notice that they were all buried on February 22nd of 1415 and 19. And so that's that 222 connection that you just don't make stuff like that up, right? I mean, God, God has a messaging system for people who have ears to hear that can hear. And um, what was brought last night and the, the panel of speakers and friends, longtime ministry guys, some of the most, uh, let's say, experienced and mature leaders that we have in the charismatic world were there last night. And um, there is a consensus in the passing of Paul that we've started another era. We've started another, let's say, anointing for another generation. And what I've done different times when I'm looking at, God starts repeating numbers to me, especially I've done lots on the 444 thing, which is twice the 222 thing, for those who are good at math. And, uh, but if, if you look at, when he gives the number, sometimes I'll just look at the scripture reference. And the one that really stood out to me was in Daniel 2.22. It says, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in darkness and light dwells with him. I just think that's so significant because it was the announcement that the anointing that resides in a, as mantles upon these great leaders, these historic prophets that, you know, I, I can remember being at Santa Maria Foursquare and Paul Cain came, as, as they were called that time, a group of them, the Kansas City Prophets. And he was standing up on the platform, and he called. I think the woman was on this side. She was just in front of me. She called a woman out. I think hers was by her address. And then on this side, he said, and there's a man over here. Called him out. I think it was by his driver's license number. So he's standing up, and she's standing up, and he says, what do you two have in common? They said, well, we were married, but we're getting a divorce. And he called them to the aisle, the, the altar, and reconciled their marriage in front. Yeah, I, I, it was incredible. And they're, they're ministering out of the Santa Maria Healing Rooms today, that same couple. But I, I remember when he shared that, and hadn't, I hadn't seen the demonstration of prophecy to that degree, and he continued on, that the presence of God and the fear of God was so strong in the room, I literally slipped down in my chair. It's like, I don't want to be recognized. I don't want to be called out. I don't know what that man knows, but I can't remember if I was hiding anything. I'm, I doubt, but maybe. But at that point in time, it was just the presence of God. And there's stories after stories after stories of amazing things that happened in, in that prophetic move. And it really, in the sense of restored something to the body of Christ worldwide about the reality of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, that God has to be real, he has to be alive if he can read your mail, amen? And, and when he, the other great thing about it was when words of knowledge start coming that are so personal, and people get identified by that, 
this thing comes in your mind, well, if God knows me that well, and he revealed my past, I can trust that he would also speak into my future. Amen? That he does have a plan. That There's a restored confidence in the voice of the Lord. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But I love the connection between Daniel 2.22 and Daniel 2.23. Because he says, this is Daniel himself. He says, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we have asked of you. For you've made known to us the king's demand. And they were in a place where... Nebuchadnezzar had demanded not only that they give an interpretation, but first tell him the dream and then respond with the interpretation. And Daniel actually was given in a dream what the king had dreamt and what the interpretation of it is. But I think that that language and, and God has made known what we've asked and he's made known to us the king's demand. I put that in another context for, I believe, this generation where we're going. That by revelation, God's letting us know what the king demands. God's letting us know how to walk out the plans and purposes of the king. As, as this passage goes on, it concludes with Daniel 2.44. And it says, in the days of these kings, the last kings on the earth, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to another people. And it will break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms and it will stand forever. Amen. We're in that time. It's a revealing of the everlasting kingdom right now. And it's a prophetic people. It's people, if you could say this, in the, in the spirit of Elijah that are going to make straight paths for people for the second coming of Jesus. He's coming. Jesus is coming again. The king of kings and the Lord of lords, he's coming again. And he is already setting it up. Is as feeble as it may seem in structure right now, but his kingdom is being set up, and it's the everlasting kingdom. And how all the details work out that it winds up consuming all other kingdoms and becomes, becomes the everlasting kingdom in the earth, there's a lots of details and moving parts that we don't fully understand. We think we do, but we don't fully understand. But it's really going to happen. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news. How come you're depressed this morning? Come on. That's really good news. You are part of the king of kings kingdom. Amen? Yes. And it's being set up, and he's lifting us up as a prophetic people, and you have a role in that. So John spoke last week about the weight of glory. Lots of good things to say. I, I just highlighted 2 Corinthians 4 because it talks about our light affliction. Say light affliction. Amen. Light affliction. Which is but for a moment. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. So God's at work. And the, as bad as a day can get, it's momentary. And as heavy as the weight of it can be, there's something with far more exceeding weight than the weight of cares than the weight of sickness, and the weight of calamity, than the, the weight of affliction, the things that we deal with. There's something that's got far more exceeding weight than those things, and that's God's glory. And it says that we can find it because it's working for us, but we can't look at the things which are seen. We have to perceive by faith the things that are not seen. And so as much as we talk about the weight of his glory, I want to just refer to the weight of his voice. Because in order to look at things that are not, 
and to look into the unseen world, you, you rely on, we rely on the Holy Spirit, the revelator, to make the unseen world clear to us. Amen? To give us the unseen hopes. To give us the things that are still future in possession. But that's the role of the Lord. That's the role of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And his voice has weight in our life. And so that's what I want to challenge you today is about giving weight to the voice of the Lord. That it matters. In Deuteronomy, when Moses came with the people of Israel, it says, Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain. And the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven with darkness, cloud, and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You, here's the key. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that's on the earth, likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps in the ground, or the likeness of any fish that's in the water beneath the earth, or pictures of those things. So the, the whole issue was God said this, man's vulnerability. He said, remember that you only heard a voice and you didn't see a form. Because you're going to be vulnerable to make a carved image of something of creation. And it's got the ability to substitute in your heart the creation for the creator. And so he warned him. We see that over and over again. That the formal word for that is idolatry. And he warned him. But it wasn't about you couldn't be a sculptor like in modern day. Because I remember when our very eccentric times, and uh, we were extremely zealous that we purged our house from anything that was an image or an idol, looked like a fish, bird, anything. Any, any, we didn't anything in our house that was a painting or a carved thing. Like, we were radical fanatics. It was really important to us. It didn't matter that we didn't worship it. It didn't matter that it wasn't actually an idol. All that mattered, it was a carved image in the likeness of, and that's the literalness that we took the word. But in fact, what it's really speaking to is idolatry. But it also speaks to man's vulnerability. That if you wind up in any kind of situation and you look for the form or you give more regard for the form than you do for the voice, you become vulnerable. And la last week I spent, uh, the, well, actually Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, in Atlanta. And every other year I'm together with a group that plans the other year gathering in Rome where the, we're having an NCC, New Charismatic Church, dialogue with the Roman Catholic Church. So a group of us get together and we plan the next year's meeting that actually happens in Rome. And as always, we include some of the what we call um, reconciled diversity is what our term we use for unity. Like how you cultivate unity is you talk about how you do things, how you see things, how you believe things, and then we say, well, with those same scriptures, we see this, we see that, etc. But what you normally, in this group, where it's pretty much resolved to, is that we all center on Jesus, we're all filled with the Holy Spirit, we pray together in our heavenly prayer language, but we use that term, well, we just have different forms of worship. And that's just different forms. It's not negative. It's not positive. It's just the reality. We have different forms of worship. But from the very beginning, the forms 
have given direction to the divisions, right? Is where the forms have become more important to the point where we'll, we'll argue over the forms of worship or the, the, the forms of our understanding, our doctrines, the, those things that are the forms, that's where we get, go hard on those things. And it's because we lose the voice. Amen. It's because that the inward witness, the Holy Spirit given to us through the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ to create a living dynamic relationship in us that's intended to lead us and to guide us as a voice inside of us, we yield from that and we go after forms. It happens in organizations, it happens in church organizations, it happens in churches. The form becomes more important than the voice. But we're not called to that. Amen? Called as a prophetic people to understand God communicates with us. And we cultivate how to learn and how to listen so that we can be followers of him. So that we don't fall back into the easy position of enjoying the form. And that, that's like ringing in me. <laughs> that's like a new challenge for me. Like I, I'm renewing the place of God's voice in my life in a very significant way. And I'm going through it where it came so strong that, you know how it happens when God shows you something, the pendulum swings? And when the pendulum swings and it's out here and you look back and you have despise for everything on this swing, <laughs> it's like, that's a form, <laughs> right? Ah, that's the creation of man. Ah. It's like it's warring with the voice of God on the inside. Ah, like there's that thing, that hostility inside. Because I really believe there's a resurgence and a call from God to hear the voice of God. To be a living, active people following the prophetic voice of the Lord. Being used by him in demonstrations of things of the Holy Spirit. Like that's the only answer for the world. And you're, you're either on the problem side of the equation or the solution side. You can't sit on the equal sign. We're either part of the problem or we're part of the solution. How many want to be part of the solution? We represent the voice of the Lord. I, I looked at that slide I showed earlier about these guys, uh, you know, they, them not dying on the same day, but being buried. So it was put out last night. It's like, the, unless a seed is put in the ground, it abides alone. But when it's planted, it brings forth more fruit. And he just called out the idea that they were put in the earth as seed on the same day to raise up and spark a prophetic voice, a prophetic generation of people. And I believe that I, I remembered a year ago in February on a Tuesday morning being in the healing rooms. And, and I had been, uh, I shared here at church the previous Sunday. And I shared out of, uh, well, at least one of the scriptures or two might have been out of the book of Revelation. But I remember noting the pattern as I was reading the book of Revelation. Where John said, and then I saw an angel and the angel did this. And then that happened. And then another angel came, and he did this or said that, and then that happened. And th there's a pattern of that through a certain section of the book. And then I was sitting there doing worship, and there's always incredible worship there, and open heaven above it, and just, you know, soaking wide open. You can hear God's voice in those atmospheres. But I didn't hear, like, that voice that I'm used to, the Holy Spirit on the inside, the affirming, the love, the presence, all those different words we use, that language for knowing that he abides in us and he loves us. It wasn't that kind of language. It was a loud voice. It was a loud, authoritative voice. And it said in a booming tone, there is no hope for mankind without him. 
I think I've shared that. I, read, I shared it somewhere. Maybe it's here. Maybe I didn't. Anyway, it's worth hearing again because <laughs> it's one of those abiding things. And I heard it again. There's no hope for mankind without him. And it came, it was like four times, thunderous sounding, authoritative, to the point back then pre the president was negotiating on the Korean Peninsula for the nuclear disarmament. And it came to me in such an intense way that I thought, shoot, somebody's hitting, button, button, somebody's hitting the red button today. I mean, I felt like that, like there's no hope. Something catastrophic is about to re be released on the planet. That's the kind of urgency that came. But then, fortunately, there was another voice that came in behind it. A much more softer, I'll just say pastoral voice came in behind it. And it, just, it was just this simple. Invite him in. Invite him in. Invite him in. And to me, in this instant, it was like this. That's the answer for everything. Invite him in. It doesn't matter if we're talking about gathering around a table negotiating over nuclear arms or a husband and wife sitting across the coffee table. If, there's, if, if there is not hope without him, you have to invite him in. Heaven's upholding the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the king set on a holy hill according to Psalms chapter 2. And it's going to become more and more and more apparent that if Jesus isn't invited in, you know what you get? Yourself. You get the chaos of human conflict. He has to be invited in. And I believe heaven is making a declaration and has made a declaration. And then there's a prophetic people that's going to say, invite him in. To a neighbor, to a friend, to a co-worker, to somebody in authority, to presidents, to politicians. Somebody's going to carry the message. You better invite him in. And I could show you how. Let's pray. Can it be agents to invoke the presence of Jesus into situations as a representative, ambassadors of Christ in the earth? We're stepping into that era right now. And I know it's challenging, but you can do it. Amen? I can do it. We say, yes, Lord. There's a grace for it. He's declaring it over it. And it, it's not that, it's not that, well, gosh. It's not that... The old order of things is, is totally passing away. It's being updated, right? Pro Even though we're talking about this, this generation of prophets dying, it doesn't mean that they're still not prophets and that God's not got stronger anointings. As a matter of fact, Sean Boltz was one of the speakers last night, and he's a new generation prophet. And he's carrying a prototype, and he's challenging the church to go to a new level in word of knowledge and word of wisdom. And so the, I know there's a group in our church that's going through that series, and I would encourage people to connect. Connect with Jody or Trish. or They've got connections to that. But you need to hear God's voice. You need to be a representative and then say, yes, Lord, I'm going to represent you to situations that come my way every day. And it could be that simple. Hey, guys, you need to just invite them in. Amen. He, and the fact that I heard that, I believe this. He's willing to come in. Right? He just doesn't say that, invite me in, and then you invite me in. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. I'm going to stay out. It's not, it's not like that. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking. He's, he's becoming the aggressor. I'm knocking. Invite me in. Invite me in. And you'll see a change and a shift. Because he, he will relieve conflict. He will give answers. He will give wisdom. Unless you don't invite him in. If you don't, you get yourself. That, that's the eternal judgment, you know.
That's what hell is. You get stuck with yourself forever. I couldn't say it any more plainer. I'll say it again if you want me to. Yeah. <laughs> you get stuck with yourself forever. And I have testimonies to that effect. John 1.19. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem and asked him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, What then are you, Elijah? He said, I'm not. He said, Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I'm not those things. You could say, I'm a prophet. He could say, I'm prophet John the Baptist, right? Or I'm the prophet. I'm Elijah. He could have made claims because of the anointing. Jesus said if you can receive this, he was Elijah. John, he, he referred to John the Baptist as that who came in the spirit of Elijah. But he wouldn't take the form. He just said, I'm the voice. Amen? There's a purity in that. There's a clarity in that. Because this is what happens. And this happens in church leadership all the time. If you don't have the voice, then you just administrate. That's what happens. We got this budget. We need the, You just start doing the stuff. You create the busyness. You just maintain the routine because if the voice isn't in the midst of you leading you, that's all you know. And that's all Israel knew unless God spoke. You just go around that mountain. Didn't we turn left here last time? Yeah, let's just turn left again. Let's just go back around. And you know why I like this? Because we know there's a fountain up there. This is, it just becomes the routine that you just follow. Let's just administrate. There's no voice. Let's just do what we all need to do. But that's not the age we're living in right now. So John said of himself, I was the voice. Up till now, up till then, there was no form. Be careful lest you make a form, but out of the fire comes the voice. But now in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh. The voice took on human form. And he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the form. He is the word of God, and he took on human form. He humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant, but he came in human flesh. But he is the word. He is the voice. Hebrews 1, 1 says that. God, who at various times and in various ways spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, who he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Now look at this. Speaking of the form, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his presence or of his person and upholding all things by the voice, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus, they, God spoke to us by the prophets. Now he speaks to us through his son. Ascension gifts 
can come on people. So there's prophets and prophetesses, but they're in the Son, the operation of the New Testament, the operation of the voice that comes from Jesus with the same character, with the same compassion, with the same empathy, with the same mission. So there's a consistency. All the gifts now line up with the Son. Amen? And God speaks to us through him, through Jesus. And, and he does corporately, but he does individually. The behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. It's not only about Jesus wanting to come into the room. If two or three gather in my name, I'm there in your midst. But it's also Jesus saying, I come into your heart. I come in as an individual. I want to bring the voice of God into your heart, into your life, so you can be guided according to heaven's plan. So you can be in sync with what he's doing in the earth. He told us at a time when the enemy was testing him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was quoting from the Old Testament, but he said it in a New Testament context. The preceding word of God. What happens if you have a God who said, <clears throat> I want to lead you as a people and individually with the words that proceed out of my mouth, present and future, and you're camping back here because of something that he once said. God said this in 1980, and we heard the voice, and we build a form. And our, our form is serving that voice because of what God said in 1980. Charismatic renewal. What happens if you camp there, but our calling is to lead, live by what proceeds from his mouth all the way up to 2019? The preceding word of the Lord. And if we're not committed to that process, to understand that God speaks, and we're intended, designed by him to hear his voice because we're his sheep, and, and that comes in various ways. The, the voice of the Lord's not just the sound of words. It's pictures, it's dreams, it's trances, it's visions, it's prophecy, it's fellowship, it's the reading of the word and, and hearing from the scriptures. It's a combination of things. But God has a voice, he communicates, he wants us to hear, and your life depends on it. Because the form isn't going to do it in the things to come. At least it's not going to do it here. Everybody, has, other leaders have their own choices to make. But there is a movement in God, the preceding voice of God, to align us with what he's saying. Matter of fact, I'm so excited this Wednesday night, Michael Maiden's going to be with us. And he's got an incredible story and a credible journey about having it all, just like Randall Worley, and having the rug pulled out from under him. Literally, just a devastating testimony. Stayed in it with God. And found his way out by the voice of the Lord. Now he's a prophet. He's an incredible prophet. And there's a character to him and a solidness that we are so privileged. And you can all come. It's, even though the others by registration, which you're welcome to register for our March Madness Leadership Summit. But Wednesday night in the estuary, Michael Maiden's going to be with us. And then I think another time slot, John. Thursday morning. So he's going to be with us. Wednesday night, open meeting, and Thursday morning. But I'm excited about that. He gave me an incredible word a few years ago over in England, and it was the voice of the Lord. And so, again, God is so faithful to bring people who can speak and represent that. Romans 10, 10, 10, 17, excuse me. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by. Now, you guys have been around the word any length of time. You know that often the word word can refer to the logos, the expressed will of God. We call it the written word of God. We call it the canonized scripture. We call it the Bible, the logos of God. It's inspired by him. It was recorded as uh, it says that men, holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit and they wrote divine things that were collected together saying this is the expressed uh, will of God and we, we call that the Logos. That becomes our foundation for training, for study, for meditation, all of the things that Paul told Timothy the Bible was good for. But in this particular context, faith comes by hearing And hearing by the other word for word is rhema. And it means the inspired word or it's the quickened word. So faith comes because you're hearing, listening, in fellowship, reading, whatever way. And God takes the word, sometimes the logos, the printed word, and he puts a highlight on it. And something goes from the page to become a promise because the Holy Spirit quickened it to you. And all of a sudden, now that it's quickened, now you have faith. He speaks. He leads. His voice creates something in our heart that becomes faith. Faith comes by hearing by the revealed word of God in your spirit. All of Hebrews chapter 11 is all about the heroes of faith because they heard God. They were told by God, whether messengers are directly or a sign. or There is different ways that that company of people listed in Hebrews 11 came in contact with the word of God. But it created faith in their heart, and that's what caused them to do exploits. So we're conditioned, not conditioned, we're dependent on a God who speaks. Our future, what we're to do in our country for our generation, for the kingdom of heaven, is dependent upon the voice of God and people that can hear. The weight of his voice. Amen? The weight of his voice. When Dennis said today, let him who has ears hear what the Spirit's about to say, it wasn't what I'm about to say. It's what he wants to say. Let him who have ears to hear what the voice of God is saying to you. Let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the people of God. Amen. We're planning some unity events coming up next year. And we're going to participate. We believe that God's visiting that again. He wants to pull the churches and the new leaders together. John's representative of one of several new leaders as pastors across the Central Coast. They've spent the last few years getting grounded in their church and and figuring out how to lead and working out administration. And we had the benefit of being, I guess you'd say, more seasoned kind of pastors where that was either delegated or we didn't care about it. And we spent time in relationship. We spent time believing for a move of God corporately in a unified sense. And now it's the next generation. Amen. Can you pray for that? I thank the people who came to the prayer watch last night or Saturday. There, there was a prayer watch from, I, I guess it was 6 p.m. Friday to 6 a.m. Saturday morning. I, the lights are really bright. Were there people in here that came and prayed? There's some. Yep, cool. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Let's give them a round of applause for supporting in prayer. How you hear God's voice as you pray. You spend time with them. But he's committed to speaking. Amen. He's committed to speaking. I just want to close. Thank you, you, Jessica. You can raise the level of that or however you do that in the background because that's an important part of hearing. Positioning yourself 
before God. I always take time to exalt him above myself. Remind myself that he's greater. <laughs> Sometimes you think you are, right? But you remind yourself that Jesus, you are the exalted one. You are Lord, you are Savior. You're head of the church. I've been bought with the price that you paid on the cross for me. And I quiet myself. I quiet my mind. Right now, the current path I'm on, I would also include, show me where I'm, I've built forms where I haven't yielded to you because I'm leaning on my own understanding right now. I'm trusting in my own administration. After all, Lord, I've done this before. I've done it a long time. I've got this. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> but we thank you, Jesus. You're the good shepherd. You love your people. Lord, I lift up the Word of God today, and I, I pray the Logos becomes a rhema in this regard. You promised that you were the good shepherd, and we are your sheep. And you call us by name, and we hear your voice. I pray in the house today that there is a circumcision over ears and a circumcision of heart a cutting away of old cutting away of tradition where we're defending form where we're defending religion God we ask you just cut that away create in us a new heart a clean heart a pure heart and I want to return to your voice because I believe you are a good shepherd and I believe as leaders, if we can find that voice, that we will lead people to still waters and will lead them to green pastures. Father, I thank you that this house feasts on green pastures. I thank you that we drink from the freshness of still waters. That you create a place of feed, a place of watering that is so heavenly and so incredible that it becomes a witness. And I hear your voice to pray for boldness for people. The disciples in the book of Acts, they prayed for boldness. They said, God, behold their threatenings. They told us that we had to shut it down. They told us that we couldn't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. That we had to shut up. And they even scourged us and they threw us out of the council. But instead of saying we're afraid, oh no, the secular world is winning again. Prepare the bunker. Get the food and the supplies. Let's go into the cellar, shut the door. They said, behold their threatenings. Grant your servants boldness from on high that we might speak the gospel, that we might declare the power of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And I thank you for that boldness, God. 
I thank you for that clarity. I'm mindful that you spoke out of a fire. Spoke out of a fire to Moses and you spoke out of fire to the children of Israel. And then you spoke out of the fire of an angel to Joshua. And both Moses and Joshua were told to take their shoes off because they were on holy ground. You made it clear to Joshua when he said, Who are you for, the Lord, or are you for us? And the angel said, Neither. That tells me, God, it's not about sides. It's about the Savior. There are no sides. There's Jesus Christ. He's high and lifted up, and he's seated on a throne. And he's got wisdom, love, and understanding and acceptance for every single human being on the face of planet Earth. And you're in that army. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. I pray a a prophetic fire arise on this house. I pray a prophetic anointing increases and a prophetic mantle falls on the people of God. I pray it changes your style of prayer. It changes your style of believing. It turns you from a petitioner to a declarer. It turns your prayer from just supplication to giving of thanks and declaration for who God is and who he called you to be and the words that he puts in your mouth to speak over your family, over your children. Nellie, how many people got saved in the two days you showed up around your family? Seven. Seven people in two days. She had a revival. She went back home for two days and had a revival among her family. Amen. Seven family members in two days. That's part of the season we're in right now. Amen. God's doing suddenlies. He's doing it by his spirit, and there's an anointing for it. 